biggest mistake I ever, I see made, and this happens all the time to probably newer investors is they miss out that property taxes will actually be going up. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, as always, I got the one, the only, Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I am doing awesome, man. Awesome as always. Anything new in your world, Matt? Uh, not much. Just uh, kind of same old, same old, going through the numbers uh, with underwriting uh, deals. I mean, there still seems to see it be a big uh, divide between what uh, people are trying to sell their properties at and what I can you know, conservatively buy, but uh, still underwriting away. Yeah, there's a big disconnect. I, I will agree with that, uh, man, but some buyers are just being super aggressive. I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, there's, there's two ways of thinking about it. We can talk about that. That'd be a whole, a whole episode. Uh, you know, there's obviously the, Hey, this, this will continue. Interest rates are going to stay low. Cap rates are going to stay compressed. Inflation's going to hit. Uh, and so where else would you want to have your money? Real estate, real estate's the place to be. Uh, and then, and having mortgages, right? If you have a mortgage and inflation happens, that mortgage doesn't go up. Technically, really, it goes down, right? Because now your same hundred thousand dollars that you that you uh, owe, you've got inflation that's happened. So now you've got two hundred thousand dollars versus a hundred thousand dollars to pay for it. So, um, you know, if if runaway inflation happens, real estate mortgages that's the place to that's the place to be. Of course, you know, things, things don't continue to go to the sky. They, at one point in time, they're eventually going to uh, go down. And when, when things are over exuberant, you have to wonder, Hmm, is this the end is like, is it going to continue uh, with the exuberance or is, is this kind of where it's ending? So, you know, look for opportunities where maybe others aren't seeing the opportunities that that can be in multifamily and specific niches in multifamily. That's what, that's what I'm looking at with large, large value ads uh, at times, more redevelopment plays. Uh, also looking at uh, different things we can do to these properties that other people maybe aren't looking at, other income ideas, other expense uh, reduction. And then also I'm looking at uh, obviously different industries. Um, so so, uh, you know, looking where people aren't looking, I think is, is really key in this time to continue to try to grow your business. Yep. Great advice. You know, I, with, uh, along with this disconnect, I mean, there's lots of other people who are willing to overpay for properties in my yeah. mind, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to change my underwriting model just to get a deal done. Yeah, I agree. A lot of people are willing to overpay. Uh, I, I just, I, man, I just saw a deal that came across my desk. I, I don't know how I got on the, their list, but I just... I can't believe they're doing the deal they're, they're buying uh, in no way, shape or form. Does it even come close to working um, for what I would need and, and what I feel like my investors would want, but Hey, you know, they're doing it. I would expect to lose some good amount of money uh, and their investors will lose a good amount of money, but you know, their money's in real estate. So if the market continues to go up, I guess everybody will be okay. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to predict. I mean, you, you just don't know. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, if they, if they, if that deal that they close, they experience, you know, 7%, 10% annualized growth in, in rents and in, uh, you know, in everything, then, then they'll be good. Then they'll be fine. They're, Exit cap rate, they're they're showing a, a compressed exit cap rate from where it's at today. So like the market right now uh, for that class of property selling at about a four and three quarter. And they're saying that they're going to exit in five years. I think it was at a 4.25. So they're showing that they're, the cap rates are going to continue to compress. Could that happen? Sure, it could. So just being, you know, people are, are doing things like that, being very aggressive. You got to decide, is that the way you want to underwrite or is it not? Exactly. That sounds like they're leaving no room for error. I mean, if anything goes wrong, then they lose money. Well, if, if everything goes normal, they lose money. Hmm. So as long as it, as long as it goes normal, they won't be okay. It has to go, it has to go up drastically for them to be okay. So it is what it is. I mean, it's just, it's crazy that to me, but you know, people are, people are investing in their deals and they're excited about their deals. And so, you know, it's working for them at least right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, what, uh, I forget to say that what your rising tide, you know, raises all ships, you know, when things yep. are, are good, everybody makes money, but, uh, the true, uh, you know, entrepreneurs are the ones who can make money regardless of what's going on in the climate. Yep. Yep. Um, that kind of brings us into today's topic. Why don't you introduce today's topic? Yeah, today we're continuing the multifamily series and we'll be talking about underwriting. You know, it's a, a key part of your investment strategy. If you're not underwriting appropriately, you're setting yourself up for a potential disaster. Yeah, and you know, it, it's tough to talk about underwriting when we're on a podcast because I can't, you know, really show people the numbers. So that's going to be a little more difficult, but I'll try to navigate through it. And uh, we'll do the best we can. So uh, I think the very first thing when you're underwriting, you've got to be looking at the market uh, that you're in. You've got to look at either choosing a market uh, or if you're in your own market, what's going on within your own market and then what's going on within that sub market that you're going to be, uh, you know, investing in. So for, for me, I look for a, a few key things when I'm looking at the market slash sub market. I want to make sure my income level is at 35,000 or, or, or above. Um, I feel like that allows my residents to be able to actually afford rent. I feel like it's below that, then it's okay strategy, but your niche, your strategy should be uh, affordable housing and it should be subsidized affordable housing. Uh, if you're gonna go with the lower income levels. Uh, you wanna see population growth population growth within five miles, population growth within a mile, you want to see that their future is holding that population growth, or at least expected to be continuing with the population growth. Along with that, you want to see the job growth happening too, and income growth. So not only job growth, but also income growth. Is, is that actually happening within the market? Again, I want to see job growth within about five miles or less. I want to see ease of transportation too within the population and job area of the submarket I'm looking in. Uh, the other thing that I really look for is what what kind of government support is going on. What what are the what's the economic plan, uh, development plan? You know what's the government doing? What's you know what kind of nonprofits or programs are are kind of around? Um, you know to to help that out. 
the the other thing is I want to see what rent affordability is and then cost of living is. I want to make sure that we've got good rent affordability and cost of living. And I want to make sure that we've got a market um, that has a strong rental, I guess, projections. You know, we so we want to see rent increasing. We want to see, it doesn't need to be drastically increasing. I actually don't love drastically increasing markets. Um, but I also want to see good tight vacancy rates and I want to see that trend line going the, the right way. Um, and I also want, don't want to see a ton of new construction with, with negative absorption or with slow absorption of those. Um, so those are some of the things I, I really look for within a market and a sub market as I, as I'm looking at that. And there's a lot of data out there, free data that you can find. You can of course pay for it, but there's a lot of free data and a lot of that's on the broker's website. So, you know, Marcus and Millichap, the Colliers and Cushman and Wakefield, JLL, CBRE, um, they all have great information, um, ARA and Newmark. So. And some of it, you can just ask the uh, real estate brokers for directly, you know, if you have a specific asset class uh, yep. that you're wanting, and uh, you know B versus A versus C or D, uh, you can ask them like you know what's the uh, average cap rate and what's the average per door uh, that's you know, properties are selling at right now, and so that those are some key information that uh, you're going to need for your underwriting model. And there's so many factors that go into underwriting. You know if you're uh, you know new, I don't recommend that you try to create your own underwriting model from scratch. It's better to you either buy one or some people you can get uh, it for free from as well. Uh, and then you can just plug and play all the different data points into to figure out if a property is going to be good for you or not. Yeah. And I agree with that. Uh, I think you need to make sure whatever you have is a, is a version that you can actually edit to make it your own. Cause you mm -hmm. might find that some things are not as important uh, that are on there. Or you might, might find that some things are even more important that you really don't like how certain things are set up. So make sure you have a version you can actually edit. Uh, but I agree. It's nice to have something that's already been created, at least a, a good template to start from. Because, man, I, I I actually created my own from scratch, and it took me years of development, and I'm still developing it. I'm still constantly adding more to it and changing things. And But, oh, my gosh, if I would have known that I could have bought one of those uh, or got them from somebody else, uh, that probably would have been it's the way for me to go because it took me a long time to develop mine. Again, it, it, mine started in development in 2008 and I'm still changing it as we speak. So, so, you know, when we're looking at underwriting, we got to have some basics in my opinion. So what makes a property strong? What makes a property work? Okay. So I've got to have cash flow. Now it doesn't necessarily have to be cash flowing today, but it has to. When we underwrite it, it has to have, it has to have cash flow. Now we, you know, if I'm doing my large value ads where I'm putting a lot of money into it, it's probably not going to cash flow or cash flow well to start. But where are the numbers looking as we get down the road, and do we have solid ample cash flow? Okay. The next thing, and this is big, and this is something I think a lot of people miss out on uh, is we have to have ample cash reserves. So I think a lot of people, they're raising money, they're, the deal's tight, they're trying to make this thing work. And what are they going to do? They're going to trim some of the fat. And one of the things they trim is the cash reserves that are sitting there. 
don't skimp on cash reserves. I want to make sure I have at least nine months worth of principal and interest payments. Okay. Set aside. I to start when I started this property, I want to make sure that my renovation budget is nice and fat and juicy. And I have a nice reserve for my renovation. Now it depends on how big your renovation is, but if you're spending, you know, let's call it five to 7,000 per unit, you should have at least a 10% uh, kind of reserve fund on top of that. Now that's on top of the nine months worth of principal and interest. I'm doing larger renovations. A lot of times we have 15% um, for ours, just in case these are just in cases. And oftentimes those just in cases actually do come up. And so we tap into that. So we want to make sure we have ample cash reserves. That's huge. The last thing I want to do is get caught in that. What happens if a pandemic hits? Okay. I know likely won't, won't ever happen, but what happens if a pandemic hits and we need to, we need to tap into our reserves. Okay. Solid debt financing. What kind of debt financing do you have? We want to make sure you have the right debt financing for the right strategy. So I think that's really important. Um, and then, you know, again, being conservative and conservative is thrown around a lot. Everybody says they're conservative. I'm sure the person I was talking about earlier says they're being conservative. Um, so everybody talks about being conservative, but are, are you truly like check yourself? Are you truly being conservative? Do you have a truly conservative renovation budget? Do you get your renovation budget from a contractor and then add onto that? Or did you kind of make it up on your own and you, maybe your property manager and you kind of work through it and you're being really tight on your numbers just to try to squeeze this deal across the table? So, and then same thing with expenses, like, look, operational expenses on a property typically cost more than what you expect them to. So are you being actually conservative with those assumptions? Are we saying that, you know, we can, we can really trim the fat with the, that this property owner has. I mean, sometimes that's true, right? But oftentimes there's a reason their expenses are, are at where they're at. And so we want to be really watching what our, our uh, expense assumptions are. And of course, our income assumptions too. Yeah, I think it, you really have to be uh, planning ahead, you, you know, especially with like CapEx. I see some people using cash flow in their underwriting uh, to be able to pay for their CapEx. And that's I think dangerous. That's a, yeah, it's a serious faux pas. I mean, you're setting yourself up for disaster. If you're not planning ahead, if you're not you know, conservatively underwriting, uh, expecting like, hey, things are going to go perfect. Uh, so when they don't go perfect, I'm ready for it. You, you know, if you're um, fail to plan, you're planning to fail in your real estate. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Good. I mean, great, great point. Uh, people, you, you, if you're, I mean, if you're planning on paying for reserve for anything out of your cash flow, it's just a dangerous place to be in because, you know, like, yeah, I mean, it's just a dangerous place to be. So let's talk about when we actually get these numbers, when we get a property brought to us and, and we're starting to look at that. Um, you know, first of all, be skeptical on the numbers. It's kind of that trust, but verify, right? So we want to look at these numbers and we want to really dig in. We, especially when we're looking at broker pro, pro formas. I mean, that's, that's the big thing. A lot of these brokers have these fancy OMs and they're great. They give a lot of great information, but you got to be careful with these brokers numbers because they're trying to sell the property quite frankly. And, 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 you know, 
that's their that's their job. Their job is to sell the property. They're not their job is not to give you the most conservative underwriting numbers out there. No, they're trying to give you semi-realistic numbers. You know, some brokers are very realistic. Other brokers are kind of pie in the sky, but they're trying to give you some numbers, but they're also looking at it with rose colored glasses. And so be skeptical of the seller's numbers, be skeptical of the broker's uh, assumptions and trust, but verify. Uh, the biggest mistake I ever I see made, and this happens all the time to probably newer investors, is they miss out that property taxes will actually be going up, right? So they got this broker pro forma, and the broker says that property taxes are $220,000 this year, and they'll be $220,000 next year. Yet the assessed value of the property is, is um, let's call it $5 million, and you're buying it for $9 million. Well, guess what? Your property taxes are going to go up. Promise you. So just trust, but verify, dig in, make sure that um, what you're looking at is actually accurate. Yeah. And having the, the you know understanding of the local market is really helpful. So you can have a better understanding of what uh, renovation costs are actually going to be and, and what property management costs are actually going to be. Uh, so that even though they might, you know, the uh, broker might be looking at things through rose-colored glasses, you can know with a better accuracy what what your costs are going to be. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So when we're digging into the numbers, uh, what I like to do when I'm underwriting these deals, I, I've got, uh, and, and I've I've created this fairly recently now, is I've got like a quick deal analyzer and I've got my regular deal analyzer. My quick deal analyzer is just meant to, to throw in some of the, uh, some of the basic numbers and see if the deal actually works. So I throw in some very basic numbers takes, takes less than 10 minutes, probably maybe depends on how much information I have, but it takes 10 minutes to maybe a half an hour. Um, you throw in some of these numbers and it, and it'll tell you, a, you know, where you can buy the property at. And if you're fairly close, then let's dig in. But let's just say my quick analyzer says I can buy the property at uh, 5 million and they're trying to sell it for 8 million. I'm probably just going to go, okay, this deal's not for me. But if it's at, if I, if, if I say, Hey, 5 million works and they're saying six or five and a half, then yeah, let's, let's dig in. So that first things first, I want to have something that allows me to look at these numbers fairly quickly. I want to figure out how to look at them quickly because I want to look at a lot of deals and strike them off my plate. Um, then as I dig in, that's, that's where I, I really got to make sure I understand what's going on in the market. I understand some of the, uh, some of the expenses, the income and stuff like that. So how do we figure that out, Matt? Where, where do we go? Well, uh, there's various websites that you can go to, like City Data, I think has a lot of uh, good information. Hey, real quick, I just want to let you know about the multifamily challenge that we got going on. It's a five-day multifamily challenge on how to get an offer in quickly, right? So we're going to teach you in five days, five one-hour sessions. We're going to go through the steps and the process to get there. So go to mfichallenge.com, mfichallenge.com. You can sign up. It's free. If you want the VIP, there's a bunch of things that we'll give away too. You, gotta, you, gotta, you do have to pay for that, but hey, it's going to be well worth it. 
Again, you can get in for free. We're going to teach you how to get that offer across the table, get the LOI in uh, all the steps. So Ellis Hammond and I, Ellis was episode 316. Check, check out his episode. And we're going to be doing this next week. So sign up now at mfichallenge.com, mfichallenge.com and get in there. We're, uh, we're doing it next week and it's going to be awesome. So hope to see you there. Well, you know, one great resource is talking with your property management company because uh, they've got eyes on the ground. They've lived it. They've experienced it. They, they know what those expenses can be. Right. And it's, it's real time, right? So, I mean, they've got properties. Unless your property management company isn't very well versed in the area, which in that case, you should probably get a new property management company. <laughs> but they've got properties that are nearby. They've got likely um, experience with who's doing what in the market. So, you know, we can look at their property, their portfolio, especially when we're looking at expenses. Uh, this is huge, right? If, if, if I go, I'm buying a 1970s building and, you know, it's in this sub market and I talk to the property manager and we get an idea that, Hey, look, we, yeah, we manage a bunch of 1970s product in this area. And this is where your expenses will be. Like they know exactly like you, you'll, you'll be spending $6,200 per unit on expenses or $4,500 per unit on expenses. If your underwriting comes in and, and they said it was 4,500 per unit on expenses and your underwriting comes in at 3,200, you know, you got some work to do, right? But if your underwriting comes in at 4,500 or 4,600 or 4,800, you know, you're probably pretty accurate, right? So we have, we can ask the property management, expenses are huge. Income too. I mean, look, they can pull reports that they are very good at, at getting uh, rent comps. They're good at secret shopping. Now, this is typically as we're digging deeper into the property. It's not, you know, very first step. Um, but we can get an understanding of where we should be at. So I think that's that's super valuable. Just boots on the ground. Who's our boots on the ground? That's our property management company. And as you said, like there's there's other good resources, city data. You got co-star reports that typically your property manager, or your your broker, or your lender can pull. Um, you know, so, so there's a lot of other good information out there that you can get. Uh, some of the keys I, I like to really make sure is we got a good reserve account. We talked about having the opening reserve account, but then we, we need a, a continual reserve account where we're feeding it. So I'm typically about $300 per unit per year. If I've got a new property, I might be a little bit less. I might be in that 250 to 275 range, but typically I'm like $300 per unit per year. Um, one of the other things I, I see is a lot of people thinking that they can get done the repairs and maintenance for a lot less. I, I really think that's a big mistake. Um, you've got to repair and maintain your property. If you don't, you're going to be a slumlord. So make sure you have plenty of expense in the repairs and maintenance. I'm, I'm typically underwriting right around that four to maybe up to $600 per unit per year, depending on what's going on in my property. I think in general, just plan for higher expenses, uh, you know, you know, more problems coming across. So like when yeah. things go better than expected, then the, there's unexpected profits that you can bring to your investors and, and that they're going to be happy about that. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing too, when we're looking at our underwriting is we're getting close, run it by your property management company, like we've already kind of talked about. And the other great person or, or uh, team member is going to be your lender, run it by your lender. They're looking at these deals all day long. They can tell you if this deal scratches or not, that it's easy for them to, to look at a deal quickly. They're looking at numbers all day. They know what other, they know what their, um, money sources want. And so they'll be able to tell you yes or no. They'll be able to tell you, Hey, you know what? Uh, tighten this up or, Hey, I don't, I don't think you can get there. Um, you know, here's what we're going to have to do. Uh, or we're only going to be able to give you 60% loan to loan to that or loan to cost. Uh, if you, if you buy it at this price. So those are great people to run these deals by. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, you know, they want you to succeed. Uh, and so, so they're going to give you some honest feedback. I think the, the last thing you need to really know and understand is you need to know and understand what your debt sources are. So again, talking with that mortgage broker is really important. Uh, knowing and understanding that you're going to have to have 1.25 debt service coverage ratio on today's numbers, unless you're doing a bridge loan, but that 1.25 uh, and, and knowing that, look, the lender is going to add more expenses in if needed. It, even if the, the seller is self-managing and they got really low expenses, they're going to add expenses back in to make it so the numbers are real. Um, and then, you know, know and understand what kind of, what kind of debt you're going to get, because that, that's a big part of your underwriting. Look, if I'm going to get 3.2% interest rate, versus 4.2% interest rate. That makes a world of difference whether I can buy that property for a specific price or not. Uh, so knowing what your debt is, it is extremely important um, getting that down. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's there's all kinds of other things, Matt, that we can talk about. Like I said, it, it, it's hard to really dive deep into underwriting I would suggest anybody who doesn't, isn't really familiar with underwriting, take an underwriting course. Um, as you said, there's, there's other, there's people that are selling spreadsheets out there. I don't sell mine. I may at one point in time, but I don't right now, I don't sell mine. So, um, you know, just really start to think about taking a course and, and then, uh, you know, getting diving into underwriting. I think practice is what it's going to take. Exactly. I mean, even if you just get one for free or you buy one from somebody, uh, using it is the biggest hurdle, you know, understanding the tweaks and, and uh, you know, ways to adjust it. Uh, and that's why a class or, or a coaching or a mastermind or something like that to really walk you through to help you get experience. And then just practicing it uh, just a ton of times is going to make you more and more proficient. Oh, uh, you know, a couple more things, Matt. Um, now I'm thinking about it. Like, look, one thing I see a lot of people do that I don't necessarily like to, to do is I see people adding a bunch of value uh, to year one. So they're saying maybe my year one income or my current income's at a million dollars. They're saying, oh, hey, we're going to raise these rents. And all of a sudden you look in their year one, their year one income is at $1.3 million. It just doesn't happen. So uh, value you know, your, your, your NOI won't really increase in year one, 
by much, if at all, and it might decrease. So, you know, make sure I always tell people to make sure you're, you're zero, which is current versus the end of year one, year one is about the same within a few percentage points. We don't want to see a big increase. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing is, you know, I see is people talking about cap rates. Uh, I, I love the underwriters or the people that are buying properties and they're buying it at a four cap. And so they say, hey, in, in five years, we're going to sell it at a four and a half cap. But what they fail to tell you is that the market currently, it's not a four cap. They're just overpaying for the property. The market currently is at a five and a quarter cap. Mm. Um, and so they're overpaying for it, but then they're saying they're going to go sell it for a four and a half cap. And you're like, wait a second, you're, you're upside down already. Uh, that, that happens quite a bit. So really look at the cap rates, what's going on in the market. And then uh, you should be, you know, your reversion cap rate, your cap rate when you sell should be higher than that. Um, and then the last thing is really decide on what your exact strategy is prior to starting to underwrite. You know, when are you going to sell it? Uh, what type of value add are you going to do on it? Uh, and the other thing too is to think about if you've got, especially if you've got a deal that's that's kind of attractive, Look at the underwriting a couple different ways. I, I underwrote a deal, a, a large portfolio deal that I was really excited for and I chased all the way to the end. Uh, and I underwrote it for a fairly good size renovation to happen. And then I also underwrote it for a light renovation to happen. And I ended up finding out that if I did the lighter renovation, my profit would actually be greater and therefore I could pay more for the property. So we can come up with a couple different strategies on some of these deals and go, Oh, that actually works better. So sometimes you'll surprise yourself as you're looking at properties. That's great advice. Yeah. And one, one thing I was going to say about NOI, uh, you know, sometimes the, the best way to control NOI is just by decreasing expenses instead of trying to increase income in year one. Yep. Yep. Are you getting chased by the cops? Uh, you got to go. No, I don't. <laughs> they're they're after someone else, not me today. Perfect. All right, man. Well, again, I mean, we could dive in. We could we could get a little deeper, but I think it's a lot more challenging just being on podcasts. So those are just some of the key things to be thinking about when we're looking at underwriting. There's a lot of other, you know, things. I think really get to know, you know, kind of the terms and and what's what market expectations are understanding where these properties are selling at understanding uh, where other investors are buying things at, you know, what, what your investor return expectations are, you know, what's, what's, what's comfortable for them for a cash on cash, what's comfortable for them for, for internal rate of return. Uh, what are they looking for? I think that's, that's really important. Uh, to think about. And then also like for your own strategies, you know, what type of value add do you like to do? Do you like to do big, heavy value add? Do you, do you need a certain uh, increase in rent? For me, I, I got to increase rent typically at least a hundred dollars per unit for a deal to even begin to pencil out. Um, so, you know, if you're looking at a deal and the, the broker OM says you can increase rent by 75 bucks a month, well, that probably is not the deal for you to even dig into. So good. Cool, Matt. Well, I, that's all I got. Do you have anything else you want to mention? No, that's it for today. Okay. 
Awesome, Matt. Well, hey, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day Saturday. Thanks. You too. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like, uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out. And, uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.